is my strength. It's my strength. And uh, I don't know about you. I probably do because you're as human as I am. Some days I have to remind myself that, you know what? Because I know God and God knows me and because he dwells in my life and because he's placed me in the body, my life should be a life that has joy. That doesn't mean it doesn't have problems and pains and pressures and bumps and right. It, ha- it has all those things. But if that's all my life is and I don't have the joy of the Lord, something is missing from my life. And so I. I, I don't mind telling you. I'm not proud to tell you. But I don't mind telling you. There's times I've had to get along with God and say, God, something's wrong here. There, I, there should be more joy in my life. And so what's, what's blocking this? What's going on? What's happening here? I want the joy of the Lord. It's strength. It's strength. Now, the joy of the Lord is different than the joy of the world, right? And so we can't go, well, I should have something that's feeding this from the world. No, it's the joy of the Lord that gives me strength. And so uh, I was looking forward to tonight with joy. And so I'm thankful to be here with you in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you a couple of quick announcements so I don't forget. I'm sure we'll communicate these again, but I'm trying to be better about talking sooner about stuff. Amen. I've, I've had to apologize to some of you because I've missed the mark and. Um, I want to be better about that. July the 3rd. I got the nod, so we're in good shape. July the 3rd. um, That's a Saturday. That's a Saturday. July the 3rd, we are going to... um, we're going to look at having a, uh, a fellowship in the park together for those that would like to. We'll get you all the more details. Uh, we're going to do it earlier in the day. Uh, so we'll start. Don't worry, we're not going to start like at 6 in the morning or anything. But uh, we will. We, um, we'll, we'll start uh, late to mid-morning and, and be done by early uh, afternoon or just after, but uh, we'd just like a time for everybody to be able to come together. We might even grill some, I don't know, hamburgers or asada or something like that. And uh, yeah, and we'll just have a time together, a fellowship, maybe some games, and who knows. So just make a note of that, July the 3rd. Um, if you've already got plans and you're going somewhere with family and stuff like that, we respect that and understand that. Uh, but if you're not, don't make plans contrary. Plan to come together. We'll have a great time together on July the 3rd. Um, Sunday, not this coming one, the next one. I'm running through my calendar. That's going to be June the 13th. Yeah, that's a very, very, very important day. Um, it's my anniversary. See, my wife is going to see if, my wife's going to see what makes it so important for him. So I remembered, see. No, um, that's not the announcement, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't some, yeah, that's not the announcement. Um, on Sunday, June the 13th, uh, Bishop Chester Wright's going to be with us. 
And uh, so he will be with us that morning. And uh, so just be prayerful about that and what the Holy Ghost will do as we come together. And so I wanted to make sure you knew that. Amen? You glad to be here tonight? Amen. I know you didn't come to hear announcements. So could, could we together, could we just lift our hands to the Lord in adoration? And could we, Lord, we love you. You are so good. We thank you for your great grace. God, what a privilege it is to worship you. What a privilege it is to call on your name. I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for being a friend to me. A friend that is closer than any brother. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for calling me friend. I thank you for caring for me, for loving me. Thank you for your word, God, that you've given. It is a lamp and it is a light. I thank you tonight. God, I am thankful. I have so very much to be thankful for, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the manifestation of your presence here tonight. I love you and I worship you, Jesus. You are my King and my Lord, my strength and my hope, my healer. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you. Hallelujah. I worship you with my brothers, with my sisters. I worship you tonight together collectively. We lift up your name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. I magnify you tonight, Lord. I glorify you, Father. We submit ourselves to your will and your leading this evening. We need you, God. We need you. We need your word. We need your spirit. We need the leading and instruction of the Holy Ghost. We need the instruction and utterance of your word, O oh God. And so we submit ourselves. We humble ourselves. And we open our spirit to you, the living God. I pray your word and your witness. I pray the wisdom of God, the counsel of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, an anointing upon our ears this evening, an anointing to hear, an anointing upon our heart, O oh God, anoint our hearts to receive. I pray these things in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this great privilege of prayer. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for the privilege of communion with you of conversation with you, of hearing your voice. Thank you. Thank you for giving a door of access for fellowship in with you, 
for entrance to the throne of God. Thank you for rending the veil in two that we could have access to the holiest of holies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making a way. You are the way. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful tonight. Really am. I'm thankful. I have so much to be thankful for. My daughter's coming home. I'm thankful. Praise God. I've got a picture of my mom sent to me today. She's 70 years old. I'm thankful. Sometimes we need to pause and be thankful. And we need to pause and express our thanks. We need to learn to do this. I need to learn to do this. I need to learn to do this. Not just to the Lord, but to one another. Amen? We need to be thankful. I'm thankful I could announce that we're doing something on July the 3rd. The only reason I'm able to announce that is because Brother Joey took care of that. So I'm thankful, Brother Joey. Thank you. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you all. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated if you would like to tonight. thankful for Brother Martin. I'm asking him to come. He's going to open the word with us tonight. Amen. Would you open your heart? Praise the Lord, everybody. I am also thankful and grateful for my pastor, for all of you. Um, God has been good. I am continually thankful because I know where he's brought me out of. I know what he's delivered me from. I can't help to be thankful for that. Um, somebody asked me a question the other day, and I said, uh, what are my safeguards from relapsing? I was like, had to think about that for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't have the world's fix for not relapsing, and I don't think about relapsing. You know, so it kind of caught me by surprise when I asked that question. And I believe today that the reason that I don't relapse, and I know and I believe that I don't relapse, is because of him. It's my safeguard. It's my communication with him. It's my relationship with him. That's my safeguard. And accountability to my elder, to brothers that I have. That, but, and, a, and to have an accountability, you've got to come to a place where you're willing to share something with somebody. You're willing to get that out. And be accountable for whatever it is that you feel that you need to share at that moment. But um, those are my safeguards. Um, I, I don't think about going back to where I was. I know where I was, and I know what that felt like. And I think some of us in here can relate to that as well. Um, before I get into the word, 
I want to continue to share a little bit more. Um, Most of you guys know that I've been volunteering at the Union Gospel Mission. But um, last night was the first group of men that I had as graduates last night. And so um, I was able to print out some certificates. And um, one guy began to fold his certificate and another guy stopped him. Like, hey, don't do that. You're like, you might want to put that in the frame. You know, so I realized it was different for different people. And the accomplishment really spoke to me, the accomplishment. Um, Sometimes coming from that lifestyle, we feel like we haven't really accomplished anything. You know, never really finishing what we start and never really just getting to the end. And so I started to see this last night. And, uh, you know, when the Lord allows me to see, he doesn't allow me to just see what I'm, I'm seeing in people, but it's me as well, if I can say that. And so um, this was totally unexpected. Um, last night and throughout the evening last night when I went home, what I taught about last night was um, it's called the ABCs of anger. And so I was in the B part of it. And the B is developing new beliefs. And so uh, that really spoke to me. Like, And I'm going to share. I mean, most of you guys know a lot of my testimony. I don't really keep anything to myself. I, it, it's, I put it out there. I got nothing to hide. If it helps somebody, praise God. If it doesn't, then you know, praise God anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but um, so, uh, you know, we're talking about developing a new belief system, developing new beliefs. And so I said this, most of us have a belief system about what we believe in a relationship, what we believe about friendships, what we believe about how we should be treated on the job. And we have these beliefs. This is what we believe when we talk to people and have relationships with people. And I can be honest with you, most of my belief system, and I believe most of ours, go back to when we were this big. We were just children. That's where they were developed. That's where they were born. That's where somebody invested in us. And gave us what they thought was best for us. It's part of a belief system. And so uh, I shared this last night. I said, you know, I believed growing up, and this is because of what someone else had told me growing up. I believed that I would never amount to anything. I believed that I would always be in and out of prison just like my mother and my father. I believe that. Because that's what was told to me growing up. And so uh, as I began to share about those things, I was like, I was like, wow. You know, that was part of a belief system that I had. I, I just, I believed that. And for the longest time, it affected me just throughout my life. Throughout my life, you're, man, you're a failure. I, I believed that I was a failure. I believed that nothing good was ever going to come to me. I believed that I was never going to change. I believed that I was always going to be the same. I believed all those things. And, uh, you know, last night when I'm talking to the men, you know, because they do hang out afterward, and it's a different ministry there at the Union Gospel Mission. And, uh, you know, to walk up to somebody and put your hand on their shoulder and say, I believe in you. It goes, man, 
I didn't have anybody telling me those things growing up. Man, I believe in you. I have faith in you. I know you're going to make it. I know you'll succeed. I, I believe that. And so these things that affected me growing up, I'm like, I got to share this. I got I to pour this out to these men. They need to know. They need to hear it, whether they believe it or not. Because sometimes we can hear somebody say something to us in belief, but our disbelief says, no, that's not me. I don't believe that. I, don't, I mean, look at me. Look at where I'm at. Look at what my life has been. And, you know, just because we're children of God and we, we live a life for Christ, we're going to go through things. And our beliefs can sometimes be challenged. And our faith can sometimes dwindle down a little bit. And we have to continue to seek God and, and, and believe and believe that he is going to, he's going to do what his will is, and he's going to meet that need according to his time, his purpose, and his will. It's him. It's not us. It's him. But, um, you know, uh, God has taken me down a different road. I mean, I, I, I mean, you guys more know my story. Most of you guys know when I came here, I, I, I sat from there to there. And, uh, you know, God is always doing something. If you believe that this is the end result and this is it, that we just suit up and we come to church and that's it, that's not true. God has purpose for each and every one of you. He has a calling upon each and every one of our lives. I believe that. We have to ask ourselves, do I believe that? Because we have to believe that as well. Because sometimes we don't have that belief and we don't have that faith that God will use someone like me. Because, I, I mean, look at me. I was the one that really was like, doesn't nobody want anything to do with you? Nobody will hire you in December, January. I was so full of disbelief. I mean, not, it just can't happen. And I said it and I spoke it out. But today I have this belief in my God. He is faithful and that he is true and that he can save and he will save. That's what he does. And so when I sit there and I'm sitting in this room of men and I hear statements like, man, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm like, well, it's better than it was because now at least you have a roof over your head. You have food to eat. You have clean clothes on your back. Because uh, it gets better. You know, some of us who, like, I mean, I, I've come from the street. Like, I mean, I was down and out. I, I sold drugs all up and down First Street, in and out of those motels where you see all them people running around out there. I was out there. I was out there. Most of you guys, maybe some of you guys know the blue banjo right back in the day here. I was out there, too. And, uh, you know, I was so full of my disbelief and my unbelief, I'd say, if I could say it that way, that I could never see farther than was, was pretty, I want to say just pretty much what was in front of me. And I had this realization in prison in 2015. God started speaking to me in prison. I remember sitting out in the prison yard. I was sitting at the table, and uh, somebody told me, man, look at that deer out there. And so I remember this vividly looking beyond the prison fence. I'd never looked that far before. I didn't look at what was on the other side 
I just looked at what was around me. And the Lord began to allow me to see some things back then that I didn't realize until now. That sometimes we can only see what's happening around us. But if we look further down the road, there's a lot more out there. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm talking, you can look to the trees. And you can look beyond. And I started to look to the mountains to see the outlining of them. I didn't realize all this until last night. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't expecting to be here tonight, but I, 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 I want to be faithful and I want to be yielded to God and allow him to use me and flow through me as he wills. And, um, you know, I have, I have a scripture. I have, I have something that I want to read and I want to share tonight because it was, it was speaking to me. Um, let me see where I have it at. That's back here. Matthew, I think it's Mark. Here it is, Mark. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. And so... uh, In this passage of scripture, the Lord was up on the mountain with three of the disciples before he'd come down. And uh, when he came down, he'd seen the other disciples talking to the the, um, scribes. And uh, I'll pick up from there. Um, But in verse 14, it says, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. It was questioning the disciples. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him and saluted him. They seen Jesus coming. They seen him. They ran to him. They saluted him. They wanted to greet him say, hi, hey, well, you're, you know, they, they'd seen him. And, um, and he asked the scribes, he says, what questions you with them? What are you questioning them? He's asking, what are you questioning them about? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, a mute spirit, a voiceless spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. He's talking about this spirit. He teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. Pineth away, so he's just getting skinny. He's gnashing his teeth. He's foaming at the mouth. He's just going through some stuff. I mean, you can call it torment. It's just his spirit that's afflicting him. And, uh, and I spake to thy disciples. And this is what he says. And I, spake to thy, and I spoke to thy disciples, and they should cast him out. And they could not. So he asked the disciples, hey, can you cast out this spirit? And they, they couldn't do it. And he answered him and says, and this is the Lord speaking. He says, oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father. So he asked him, how long has it been? How long ago has since this came unto him? How long has this been going on? And he said, of a child. So this has been happening since he was a kid. So 
what I, what I felt out of that is I remember all of the things that I felt as a kid growing up. The things that were said, the things that were put into me. It was a spirit, spirit of, um, of shame, a spirit of guilt, uh, a spirit of worthlessness. Just all these things growing up like I'll never amount. That spirit who wants to keep you defeated that wants to keep you held and keep you bound there as a child. That's what that took me to when I read that. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And when I read that, I'm like, man, I go through some fiery times in my life. And the waters in my life, they've been probably pretty, well, they were pretty crazy. I want to say probably they were. Um. I went through the fire. I don't go through the fire like I went through that fire. But I didn't realize it back then. You know, I didn't see that. That was just my life. That was part of who I was. You know, and when the Lord brought me out of that, I began to see, man, you were going through some torment. You were going through the fire. You were going through the waters, that spirit that was taking me through all of those things. And this really caught my attention. He says, uh, and oftentimes cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So he's telling the the Lord, like, if you can't do anything. And sometimes, like, Lord, I don't know if you can, but can you please do this? Will you, can you, He's, he's asking them that. Can you do that? And I've often asked the Lord that back when I was younger. I remember walking, and I, I mean, I, I didn't know God back then. I didn't have a relationship with God when I was a kid. But I remember my mother and my father being in prison, and I'm in foster homes. I'm in group homes, and I'd run away. I'd run away. And I'd run into the streets, and I'd stay in abandoned houses. I'd sleep in cars. Um, I'd find friends that would let me stay in their house. But they were young. I was a teenager. They were not trying to take in a, an addicted 15-year-old kid into their home who's doing heavy drugs compared to what their kids just smoking weed. And I was way surpassed that. And I remember walking the streets, walking the streets, walking by this park. And I looked into a house and I seen a family with their windows open sitting at the dinner table. And I remember crying at that time. I was probably 15, maybe 16 years old and crying and looking like, will I ever have that? Will I ever have that? My life was so far out and gone that I'd never imagined that I'd ever have that. I didn't know what that would even look like if I did have that. And I remember just walking, I mean, all hours of the night with nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. And it's rough. It's rough. But he says to him here, but if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him. If you can't believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. I'm a believer tonight. I'm a believer tonight. I have to continue to believe every single day. I don't believe. I believe this, that what happened to me all those years as a child is for a purpose. And I blamed God for a long, long time. Why me? How come me? What did I do to deserve this? 
How come my parents don't love me? How come they don't care about me? I had all the how comes, what ifs, but I didn't know God. I mean, there was people out there in the street that were reaching to me, reaching. I mean, I, I remember it. I remember a guy taking me to, he says, hey, you want to go to Pasadena, California? I'm like, sure. What's going on over there? This is a guy at a church. Um, it was, I remember the name of the church. It was called the Potter's House. I didn't know nothing about a Potter's House. Okay. All I know is he said, you can sleep in my church. And so I didn't have anywhere to sleep. And he'd open the doors and he'd let me sleep on the floor of his church. And this guy asked me to go to, uh, go to Pasadena. We were going to go to the Rose Parade. And I was like, sure, I'm, I'll go, you know. And, uh, but they were reaching. There was people reaching. And uh, I didn't know what that, I, I remember, I remember the feelings sometimes. Of, and I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever shared this. I don't even know if I've shared it with Elder. But I remember the times that I've sat there in the church and I felt something. I felt tears coming into my eyes like, what is this? Why am I feeling that? I realize what that was now. I realize and I recognize that now that the Lord is reaching. And sometimes we fight and we want to fight off the tears and we don't want to, we don't want to give that to God. I mean, we want to pour that out. But Jesus said unto him, all things are possible to him that believe. Verse 24, it says, and straight away, the father, the father of the child cried out. He cried out to the Lord. And said, with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I, I think that, that that right there really can speak to not only myself, but to a lot of us. Because sometimes we can find ourselves in unbelief. Talk ourselves out of a situation. This job doesn't want me. They won't hire me. Um, I don't know if I'll be any good at. Um, we start to say all these things, and I said them. I said them. I don't know if I can. They won't hire me in December. Um, nobody wants to hire a guy like me. I've been in prison for 10 years. Just look at me. I have all these tattoos. Lord, help me in my unbelief. Lord, help me believe. Open my eyes so I can see today. And he has. He has, and I believe that he's done that for a lot of us, and he's continuing to still open eyes and remove scales from the eyes so that we can see. But when we begin to see, what do we continue to do then now that we have direction in our sight? I have to see that after stunning because when I couldn't see, it was just more like, well, now that I can see, I have a direction. I can see where I'm going now. And I'm praying and believing that the Lord is going to order my steps and direct my path so that he will lead me and that he will direct me. And he's put me in places today that I never imagined. I didn't believe would happen. I didn't believe that I'd be teaching an anger management class in Union Gap and the Union Gospel Mission. I didn't believe that. I didn't come out of prison five years ago and say, this is what I want to do. I didn't. I, I yielded. I waited. Um, and I waited because I, there was times in the waiting that I was just uncertain. What am I waiting for? What's going to happen? Um, I know that God brought me out of there to here. I'm safe. I'm safe. I still got to walk back out that door. I still got to live life. 
And I got to believe every day that the Lord is walking with me. I'm not walking by myself. I'm not ordering my own steps. I'm trusting. I'm seeing. And I'm allowing God to do what he wants to do with me. I pray that we, that we would yield to that. Because there's many vessels in here. I look across the room. I see many, many vessels. Um, like I shared last Sunday, uh, when I stood up on the mountaintop, I seen doors opening. I seen something different. I seen the city. I seen people. I, I felt like I seen people moving around. And, and then I seen us, the body, as an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ, reaching, reaching, teaching, speaking, yielded vessels for him. But we have to have that willingness when we yield to be able to open our mouth and speak. And, I, and, I, and trust me, I, sometimes I would get a little like, uh, I don't know. I shared that one where I walked up on a guy, two Mexican guys and, you know, dark coats and one with tattoos. And, you know, but I, I, don't, I, I don't have a fear like I used to. And I, I did. I had this fear of lifting my hands. I had this fear of clapping. I was still held in bondage in a way. I still had chains that hadn't been completely broken. But they're broken. They're broken. And I believe that he has delivered me. I believe that. I don't doubt it. I don't second guess it. I believe it. And we have to believe it every single day. From the moment we wake up, I, I, don't, I don't think about going back to prison. I remember where I was. But I know now that that's my testimony. I don't use it to boast. I don't use it to glory. It's my testimony. And all the things that I doubted and all the things that I felt as a kid, like, why me? How come, God? Why all this? You know, uh, I know why now. I know why now. You know where I'm at, the, the Union Gospel Mission? I know why now. Because they struggled just like I did. They did dope just like I did. They've been out of in and out of prison just like I have been. So I can reach to them. And they can, they can reach to me. And I'm available to them for them so that they can. How, how did they say to me, you give us hope? I was like, wow. The hope that I have comes from him. That's what the hope that they feel. They feel his hope. He, they identify with that hope. That's the hope that he's given me today to walk in there, sit down, and speak what he allows me to speak and say. But um, that's the word that the Lord was tossing and turning in my sleep last night. It's believing. What do I believe about myself today? What do I believe where God is taking me? Do I even believe that he's taking me somewhere? Do I believe that? I believe that for myself, yes. But we have to ask ourselves that same question. Because I don't want to just come in here and take this casually and take it for granted because I took my life for granted. I wasted a lot, a lot of years. A lot of years. And sometimes I can look back and say, man, only if you would have got it together many, many more years ago, you probably would have been in a way better place than you're in right now. But that was my plan. I can see now what how the Lord uses me and, and, and the potential that he's given me and the blessings that he's given to me. 
And I'm like, man, only if I could have back then, but that wasn't God's plan then. It wasn't for that time. It was for this time on July 16th of 2016 when I got out of prison. Went to go live with my brother Tim and sister Sally. Thank you for opening your doors to me a second time. When I probably didn't deserve a second chance, but they said to me, we believe in second chances. This is the second chance. And this is it. I don't forget that. It's part of my testimony. It's part of my testimony. I share those things. But if we can continue to believe in God's will, God's purpose, his purpose with you, he does, each and every single one of us, just yield to that. We might not understand it because we don't sometimes. I don't understand what's happening. I'm seeing things in my life today that I never imagined. I'm seeing that. It, it's, it's, it amazes me all the time when I see it happen. But I'm thankful for it. But I won't uh, take up too much time. But that's just what the Lord had on my heart about my belief and my unbelief. That's what he had on my mind. We talk to the Lord just a minute right where we are. Could you do that? God, help my belief in you, in you, Lord, 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 my belief in you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. I, uh, you know, we talked last Thursday night about all of us being vessels. Remember that? Vessels. Vessels. Um, and a lot of what Brother Martin has been talking to us about tonight has been this idea of being a vessel, how the Lord uses a vessel. Now, there, there's a lot of self-help books out there. If you go into the store and look, there's a lot of self-help books. Anybody know that? I've even read some. Um I'm, I'm just going to let you in on something. This is the greatest self-help book ever written. The only problem is it's a help book, not a self-book. Um, I'm not against some so-called self-help books. Some I'm very against because they're all about self. And that can be dangerous, even though it can be business-oriented. If it's all about self I have to recognize, hold on, that's contrary to the word of God, right? Uh, I'm not trying to better myself. I'm trying to die to myself. We won't spend time explaining that. The Lord help us through that, right? Now, vessels and belief. I have a question for you. Every one of you here. I have a question for you. I want you to consider this. When you stop and look in the mirror, 
What do you see? What do you see? Now, that probably tells you a lot about what you believe. Brother Martin made this statement. He made quite a few statements, but he made this statement. He said, I don't see myself relapsing. I don't see myself going back to prison. I don't, or no, he didn't say that. He said, I don't think about relapsing. I don't think about going back to prison. Okay, that's called repentance. Repentance is a change of how one thinks. That's the true meaning of the word metanoia, repentance. To the ch- a change of one's thinking. What brought that change? Godly sorrow worketh or produces repentance. Godly sorrow produces a change in how I think. True repentance, Sister Priscilla, I'm not telling her she needs, if you guys are like, man, he's singling her out. <laughs> I, I better explain that really quick. Really quick in case you're going like, okay, what's that about? Sister Priscilla was talking to me about repentance uh, on Sunday. That's why I said Sister Priscilla. So, okay. I'm like, whoa, man. Nothing like getting singled out on repentance. She was talking to me in the Lord. Now, true repentance is also a change of how I think about myself. And can I tell you what the biggest problem is with being used of God? It's not only what I think of myself, it's that I think of myself. We have to stop thinking about ourselves. Right? I, I used the example last week. If you weren't here, it still makes sense. How much time do you spend thinking about the plastic bottle when you get a drink of water out of it? Right? You think so much about it that you don't even know which one's yours if there's two sitting on a pew. I think, was that mine? Was that yours? Was that, right, remember that? The distinguishing mark was mine didn't have a cap on it. His did. We remembered that. We don't, we don't think about the vessel how many of you had something to drink before you came to church? Tea, Coke, water, pop, whatever, right, juice. Now, many of you may be able to remember what you drank out of. But if you're like me, I was like, man, we, this happens at our house all the time. Okay, whose glass is that? Anybody else? Who, whose cup is that right there on the counter? <laughs> I saw that little glance at Gabriel there, Sandra. <laughs> Aren't newlyweds wonderful? No, no, I'm messing. I'm messing. Sorry, I'm not trying to stir anything up. No, right? But that happens in our house. It's like, whose glass is that on the table? Who, who left their glass? And the problem, right? You get the point. We don't focus on the vessel when we're taking a drink of water. But when we're looking to God, we put so much focus on ourselves. God help us stop. God help us stop. You know what that is? That's pride. 
look, I'm as human as you are. I'm, I, I, I'm not standing here telling you this like I've got this all figured out. I don't. I, but I realize I've got to. You've got to. We've got to stop looking at self and start, you know, when the scripture that Brother Martin shared, the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't believe he was saying, help me to believe in myself, Lord. Right? But that's, that's the subtlety of the world system that we get drawn into. I've just got to believe in myself more. No, you don't. Our belief needs to be in him. If I'll get my belief in him and get my eyes off of self. This idea that I've got to have it all together for God to use me speaks of how much focus we put on ourself. I've got to get all this right. Now, is the Lord going to continue to lead us? You know, there's something that happens when we get our eyes off of ourselves that God can start working on us. But when we get our eyes on ourselves, we're really good about telling God what He needs to fix and how He needs to fix it and when He should do it and why He should do it. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. And our focus gets on self. We don't need a greater belief in ourselves. We need a greater belief in Him. I mean, we, we all know the Apostle Peter, right? We know of the Apostle Peter from Scripture. Man, he was a mistake after a mistake. I mean, you ever read his story? Like, Jesus is announcing his purpose. I'm going to go and be killed and crucified. I, I mean, he didn't say those words out specifically at the one place in Matthew. But he shared, I'm going to go die. That's his purpose. His God-ordained purpose. And Peter... Not so, Lord. It's never going to happen, Lord. Self. And the Lord turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. See, in three verses earlier, it was Peter that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, Flesh and blood, not self, didn't reveal this to you. This revelation you just got wasn't because of you, Peter. It wasn't self. You didn't earn this revelation, Peter. This revelation you got was because my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it to you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. But a few verses later, Peter stepped back into, you know, he's feeling pretty good. Man, I got revelation. And God called me out in front of the other disciples and said I had revelation. So now God, you know, I've got a little boldness now. And in a moment, from God using the vessel, 
his focus turned to himself. And then he spoke from a place of flesh and blood, not from a place of spiritual revelation and leading. When he spoke, not so, Lord, that wasn't the Lord speaking. That was carnality. And to the Lord Jesus, it was the adversary opposing the will of God in his life. That's why he said, get behind me, Satan. God, help us get our focus off of self. Help us get our belief in you. This is important. These things Brother Martin's talked to about can you believe? We need to make sure we're not trying to. Okay, I believe. Should we believe God can use us? Yes. But don't get so much in the of believing. Don't let that transition to I got to believe in myself. No, I don't. I have to believe in God to use this vessel. Does that differentiation make sense tonight? This is so vital. Now, I I may have said this the other day, and I'm going to finish here. The Lord used a donkey because that's what was available. God uses what's available, not what's perfect. So the question really is, are you available or not? Not are you perfect and do you have it all together? Now we understand that's not an excuse for violating the word of God as he begins to reveal his word to us. That's not an excuse. See, the reason we, here's, hmm. You know why we disqualify self? I don't have it all together, therefore God can't use me. And that's my out from being accountable to God when he would want to use me. That's what it is. That's my way out. Oh, God would want to use you, but I've made an excuse. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Therefore, God can't use me. You understand? I'm not justifying sin tonight. But we have to get focus off of self on him. Focus on him. Believe in him. Trust that he's willing to use whosoever will. As we avail ourselves to him, make ourselves available to him. Say, God, I know you're still working on me. And so I'm trusting you in that process. I believe you know what I need and you're working. But in this process, I also believe you can use me as you choose. And so I'm making myself this vessel available to you. Use me. Yeah? Stop. Disqualify. If you're disqualifying yourself, it means you've got your focus on yourself. Really? You're going, God can't use me because it tells me you're looking at you, you're not looking at him. You realize you do you realize how that statement sounds? God can't. I mean you didn't pause when I said it. Well go, but we're pausing now, aren't we? God can't use me 
because. It means my focus is on me rather than God. And we've got to get our focus on him. And as our focus remains steadfast on him, he begins working through us as vessels. And you ever heard this statement? Stand with me, please. You ever heard this statement? They just can't get out of their own way. Right? Just can't get out of their own way. I was having a conversation with somebody uh, today. Today, I, you know, you don't know you don't know a challenge sometimes until you're you're trying to manage and lead people, and and you get ready to go down a scriptural principle road, and you catch yourself and realize, okay, I got to share this principle, but I don't get to quote the verse. <laughs> you're, you're trying to navigate that in the workplace. This happens to me more often than. I, it's not a bad thing, but it it happens. If I'm, oh, hold on a minute. I can't. How do I got to say that? Help me, Lord. Give me give wisdom here. So how would you say this, Lord? But I was having a conversation today, and, and someone was talking to me about their fear of making the wrong decision. Fear of making the wrong decision. And I made this statement. Sometimes making no decision is worse than making the wrong decision. You can, you can correct a wrong choice. You can correct a wrong choice. Sometimes you can't recreate missed opportunities. And so in living for God... And this is where my mind went. This is why, like I say, you got to be careful. You, you want to start giving them scriptural examples and principles of this, right? But you like, well, hold on. <laughs> I can't do that there. But, but I want to give us an example of that because this is important in us being used as vessels. This is important in vessels, just being vessels. All right? Peter, I just used him as an example. It, it, you remember, it was him that pulled out the sword and cut off the high priest's ear, the servant of the high priest's ear, Malchus. Right? And Jesus is like, Peter. I, I just, you know, I just picture Jesus going, man, this guy. He's wearing me out, but I got plans for him. So, you know, I, I just hear. And so Jesus, the Bible says Jesus stoops down, picks up the ear. It's in the word. He stoops down and picks up the ear, puts it back on the guy, and heals him. Let's talk about an awkward moment for Peter. Right? I mean, let's make, let's make this real. Right? Well, I guess we're not doing that. Okay, no sword here. He said something about the sword. Clearly, I misunderstood what he meant. Um, guess I'm not going to carry through with the next guy that I had targeted here. I, I mean, this was a real situation. 
Peter thought he was defending. He made a wrong decision. He made a wrong choice. God put his ear back on. God was able to heal and correct the wrong choice. Now, Peter could have gave in to condemnation and said, you know what? I'm just not going to do anything anymore. And that's where some of us go sometimes. I've been guilty of doing this. You know what? I'm just not going to do anything. That way I know I won't make any mistakes. I really feel the Holy Ghost right here talking to some people. I won't do anything. That way the only time I'll ever do anything is if I'm absolutely 100% sure. And the way I'll do that, like I'll talk to Elder and then I'll talk to so-and-so and and I'll, I'll get like 23 different affirmations. And then once I get all the affirmations, I'll pray about it. And again, and maybe then I'll make it, and I'll act then. You guys are laughing because you know this is true. This is our human nature. And you know what it is? It's pride because I'm watching self. What will people think if I do and I'm wrong? What will people think about me? You understand, I'm not talking about being reckless and foolish, and you, you understand. But we let the adversary paralyze us from action because we're so focused on ourselves. What will people think if? You know what? Peter could have said, you know what? I made a mistake and I said, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to do anything. I just won't do anything. And then I don't have to worry about messing up. Yep, but you get to live a dull, uneventful life filled with missed opportunity. And that's not how God intended for us to live. Is fear of the Lord? No. So where does fear of failure come from? Self. Self. And the adversary. Fear failure. And so the adversary say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Now, I know you're standing. If you want to sit back down, you can. I thought I was done, but the Holy Ghost is. We, we tapped into something here in some hearts, and the Lord's trying to help us. Because it's too late of an hour for us not to be about the Father's business. Okay? Fear of failure is not of God. Any fear. The only fear that God wants us to have is a fear of the Lord. A holy reverence. Any other fear does not come from God. Why? Because what casts out fear? Love. Perfect love. When I know God loves me, I don't fear failure. Because my failure doesn't make him not love me. You with me? Can I disappoint God? Sure. I have, unfortunately. I've done that. But he doesn't stop loving me. So I don't fear failure. You understand? I'm not talking about, well, let me just go crazy and see what happens. Who cares if I goof it all up? Elder said it didn't matter. Just go. We need godly wisdom. But we can't get paralyzed 
because of pride. Because of pride. Lord loves. Now, so Peter, I'll finish. Peter cut off the dude's ear. You know, it was also Peter that was taken up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You think, God, why do you keep putting him in these amazing situations when he keeps goofing it up? You know, revelation came to him, and, and then he says this stuff, and you have to call him Satan. And, and then you, and of course, you know, the Lord wasn't calling Peter Satan. The Lord was identifying to the spirit that Peter had yielded to. And so, but then he takes Peter, James, and John up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And Peter sees with his own eyes this vision of Moses and Elijah on the mountain talking with the Lord Jesus. And he hears, and then he looks, and it's just Jesus there. And wow, and they're taken away. And Peter's like, I got to say something. Right? There's some of us that are wired that way. Like, wow, that's so powerful. I don't know, but I got to say something. That was Peter. And so Peter didn't know what to say. So he said, oh, Lord, this was beautiful that we got to see this and that we were here. We should build like three temples, three tabernacles, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. And I hear the Lord going, oh, man, I'm going to use him. We just got to work through this. We, we miss these things, don't we? Peter was human. He was human. Now, there was somebody else, too, that made wrong choices out of those 12. Peter's are highlighted because this was very front and center. Judas made some wrong choices. Didn't he? What was the difference between Peter and Judas? Peter maintained his relationship with God, even when he failed. Judas withdrew from God when he failed. Peter stayed submitted to God when he failed. Judas ran from God when he failed. See, the issue isn't whether I fail or not. The issue is what do I do in relationship to God when I fail? Do I run to him and get back up and say, I'm still going forward? Peter just kept going forward. I mean, you remember, it's the same guy that denied the Lord Jesus three times. Yeah, that was Peter too. Man, if there's anyone the Lord should not use, it's Peter. That's how we would think because we judge based on performance. Self, pride, competing, comparing, performance. Jesus does not. Jesus says, give me a vessel that's willing and I'll work through them. Now, this really is the last thing and we'll probably continue this. I have to have a willingness to fail. You understand I'm not looking to fail. But I can't fear that. Peter was also the only one that got out of the boat and walked on the water. 
Peter was also the one that stood on the day of Pentecost and declared, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was the one. Now, I can't fear failure. And I can't resist correction. can't resist correction. What if Peter would have got offended at God when God turned and said, get behind me, Satan? Ate at him. I can't believe he said that to me in front of all the disciples. He could have done that off to the side. He humiliated me. He, he could have, and he could have got an offense in his spirit when correction came. But see, when we know the Lord loves us, whom he loves, he corrects. And if he would have got an offense when correction came, the Lord couldn't have used him. So I got to be willing to receive correction along with having a willingness to fail. Amen. The Lord's helping us tonight. You feel that? You feel that? Can we talk to him before we leave here? Jesus, in your name, I believe in you. Let us move our eyes away from self. We believe in you. You can do all things. There is nothing too hard for you. Your arm is not short. Your spirit is not slack. You are God and you are well able. And you are desiring to use each and every vessel that will. And so, God, we bring these vessels that we are to you, submitting ourselves, praying the working of your spirit and the work of the cross to bring an end to self, that you would be glorified, that you would live through us as vessels. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over the fear of failure. We pray it be bound in Jesus' name. And I pray the love of God be loosed into the heart of every hearer that would receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We trust in you and your working through vessels. You have bound yourself to work through human beings. We submit to you, Lord. We avail ourselves to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Deliver us from pride. Let godly humility consume our being, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. You desire to use your people. I pray deliverance from the fear of failure. And I pray a boldness in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. We believe in you, Lord. Help our unbelief. Deliver us from pride. Deliver us from self-focus. And lead us by your Spirit to walk in your will and purpose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. In Jesus' name. Itamaye kotoroboshitaye. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. This is vital for where we are. And by where we are, I mean we as the body of Christ and the Lord's desire to use his body in the earth. This is vital for where we are. So we have to be honest with ourselves before God. All right? I, I don't know about you. I have to talk to myself sometimes. Right? I have to talk to God about. Right? Okay, God, I'm a little concerned about what's this going to look like if I fall flat on my face. I don't know if you ever have conversations with God like that. I do. Okay? He knows anyway. Right? And so, God, take me past. Why do, why do you believe the early church throughout the book of Acts prayed, give us boldness? They were needing boldness to get past themselves. Right? To get past the self. What would happen if all of us just started doing what God impressed on us to do? What would happen? What would happen, Rigo, if when you felt like you did? You ever have this conversation? I don't know if that's God or if that's me. <laughs> Who's ever had that conversation with yourself? Right? Right, because you are telling yourself to go pray for that person. That's you. Well, if you're trying to get glory out of it, that may be you. But if you're going, going, you know what? I don't have any responsibility for what happens. My responsibility is just to obey and be a vessel. I'm going to go pray. I'm not going to take credit if God heals them. I'm not going to take condemnation if nothing happens in the moment that I pray. I'm simply going to act as a vessel. And what God does is his business. I believe in him, not in self. Amen? What about that? Per you know what I recognize is in this room right now? There are some of you here that you're like, I should just ask that person if they want a Bible study. You've hesitated. Well, I don't know. I'm waiting for the right time. I'm okay. Use this, Lord. Amen. 
God bless you. Thank you, Brother Martin, for a word tonight. Amen. Greet someone you're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus. Thank you for being here tonight.